Welcome to Frameline. I'm Barbara Gosowski. Here as usual with my favorite co-host, Courtney Small. Hello, how are you doing today? Good. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good. So Courtney and I uh, just have a number of recommendations, film and TV, uh, streaming. You know, it's February, it's cold. We're, we're it's a pandemic, we're stuck inside. Lots, but there's lots to watch, right? Um, so we're going to start with a film called Supernova, which was just released, a video on demand. And it's uh, a film that stars Colin Firth and Stanley Tucci. And the writer and director is Harry McQueen. Uh, some of you may uh, know him from another two-hander, a two-hander about a couple in love that was called Hinterland. That one, you know, got a lot of attention when it first came out. So this, this is his second film. And yes, so he's got these two big stars and uh, this is the same, uh, same kind of style as Hinterland. It's, it's a road trip uh, and it's, it's a couple that is in love. It's a, except in this case, this couple has been together for a long time. Um, So it's Sam and Tusker are going on a road trip, but the reason they're going on a road trip is because it may be the last time they get to go away um, because Tusker is suffering from uh, Alzheimer's, dementia, and um, uh, also, so the sort of the through line, the excuse for the trip is that they're going so that Sam um, can see, played by Colin Firth, can see if he really wants to go back into being a pianist. Uh, like a professional pianist um, and Tusker is a novelist. So, you know, two very established kind of uh, individuals who have been together for 20 years, uh, but they're struggling with this, this, um, this really life-threatening problem uh, that is affecting their relationship. Uh, I found that, you know, it had a promising beginning despite uh, a, a bit of British stiffness to it um, the, there was a nice banter between the two to establish sort of the relationship and it's through the banter that we get to realize what exactly is going on I'm not giving much away uh, by saying that um, and there's like some humor and some nice interactions between the two the two actors um, so this film is like it's nothing fancy it's just good old-fashioned acting with a very simple premise um, the situation, you know, it's it's a classic two-hander. It's it's just basically a showcase for two actors. And there were times I sort of felt like that. I, I really wanted to disappear more into it, um, but I felt like more that it was a showcase for the two actors and this situation. So um, the, I don't know if it's me, but, you know, it, this film's getting a lot of good buzz. But for me, I just felt a little bit distanced from the whole thing. And, you know, maybe it's because I just have watched people in theater too often when you know this, you know, that this play or this film is written to showcase, like it's, it's a showcase for actors. Yeah, you right? know, the, you know, a lot of the, the beats that are, are going to come. Uh, I, yeah, I, I yeah, exactly. With, yeah. Uh, a fair bit of what you said. I, I enjoyed the film, but it, I think part of it is also because it's such a quiet film. It's, yes, it's a road trip movie where it does have drama, but there's really not a whole lot. Like you are watching two individuals struggling, and a lot of that struggling is coming uh, inward with what they know the future holds, and how do you handle 
that change that's coming, you know, and part of it is road trip down memory lane of happier times, but also in those happier times, reminding that life has ways of sending you in directions you you don't anticipate. And how do you you cope with that? So it's the performances are great. Um, it's a showcase, as you said, for acting, but also how acting can be so subtle that you almost yes. forget that they're performing. Like, like yes. It's easy to walk away from this film and think, oh, it's, you know, it's a, a nice film. Firth and, and Tucci do a good job, but you don't realize like how much skill it takes to be that convincing in a way that feels really, really natural. You know, you genuine. Get, you, yeah, it's it feels got a genuine, genuine quality. That's, yeah. yeah, that's the that's the perfect word for it. It's you know, it's one of those films where, about the halfway point, I was what I even though I kind of knew where it was going, I kept thinking, well, are they going to throw in a few of those like cinematic dramatic beats because we're just kind yeah. of coasting at a nice little pace, and even when it does hit some of those beats, it's still very at a you know more meditative pace. So it's it's one that I enjoyed. I wasn't blown over by but i would still recommend people see it yes I I would. It, it makes a good companion piece to another film that um, came out recently um two of us the french film that's been nominated for a golden globe about uh, an elderly lesbian couple whereas here we have uh, a gay couple of a certain age and how again life throws curveballs at you and how you know the, I guess, unwavering, unconditional love and how people express that in different ways. So so for people who haven't seen Two of Us, just uh, can you give us like a brief description? of. So Two of Us, it, uh, where the difference is you have an elderly uh, lesbian couple that have been together for years, but they've uh, done so in secret. And when they're finally ready to live the, their life, you know, in their authentic self, something happens that kind of changes the nature of their relationship and they now have to cope with that. Um, so the, as they're navigating that whole thing where they're trying to essentially, because they li lived in secret for so long, ha having them to now tackle these things, which you need to essentially be outward and confronting is a little tougher. Whereas in this film you have, Two individuals that have been out living happily together for for multiple years but now they are confronting issues that will change the nature of their relationship but right. i guess they have the benefit of since people knew that they were together that's one one hurdle you don't they don't have to worry about overcoming but you still have to deal with the nature of life and love and everything changing on on a dime right and being unable to prevent certain things. So that's where the two, like they're, they are vastly different films in terms of how the approach, like two of us is more of a romance slash thriller and how it's executed. Whereas here it's more of a meditative drama about love. So, but they're, yeah. they're both, they're both worth, worth watching. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and what you've said about, you know, those two relationship films is, is, is kind of interesting uh, because we both chose to to watch a film called Malcolm and Marie, which was mm -hmm. not just released, but recently released yeah, very recent. on Netflix. Um, and that follows a couple as well. And it follows a couple on 
um, just during the course of one evening. It's, the structure reminds me a little bit of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf. Uh, it was a play by Edward Albee and the film was directed by Mike Nichols. Um, and only in the sense that it takes, you know, it takes place in one place, you know, over this uh, defined period of time, right? Uh, but in other ways, uh, this film is also, it's a two-hander, which reminds me, you know, of the films that you've just, we've both been discussing and you've just mentioned as well. Um, so we, we are only following these two actors throughout the course of this film. Uh, and they're great. Uh, the performances are fantastic. Uh, Zendaya is uh, is in it, and John David Washington. And they they I think they give like incredible performances. Um, what happens is is that uh, John David Washington plays a filmmaker. It's they've been to the premiere of his film. They come home, and he's anxiously waiting the um, the official critics' words on it, even though he's you know had some conversations with, with some critics at this premiere. Uh, but what happens throughout the course of the evening is that a lot of things about their relationship come out. Uh, so that this film is kind of the opposite of what the, these films we were discussing in, in the sense that we're watching the potential destruction of a love relationship. Um, it's written by Sam Levinson and directed by him. Um, uh, so I'm struggling at this point because there are other things going on as well. <laughs> it's like, uh, struggling to, to know where to go next because there's so much to say about this film, uh, even though I was incredibly frustrated with it. Um, I think, it, I think my frustration here, here's how I'm going to like end my little bit uh, is that my frustration begins and ends uh, on the level of the script. Uh, Sam Levinson is trying to do a lot of things, including discuss film criticism, discuss uh, white critics criticizing black films, black filmmakers, um, black filmmakers frustrations with white critics, very val all these very valid things, but it feels so pedantic. It feels like we're being lectured at about relationships and film criticism and the nature of making art. And in the end, it's just sometimes there are some brilliant moments between these two actors and sometimes there's just a lot of yelling. That's a, a good way to to put it i would say that this one has been getting a, has been splitting film critics um down the middle and a lot of it has to do with its of course commentary on film criticism and i have no issues with um a artist critiquing uh critics or creating a film that some people will say is almost critic proof because it tries to point out all the things that critics will most likely say about it. My issue with this film is that you use the term frustrating, and I think that's the best way to put it, because it is a film that, to use a cliche, wants its cake and also wants to eat it as well, because they, right, yeah, <laughs> it, this, there is so much to this film that 
annoyed me because it feels like it's a stream of conscious, just a, a, a stream of random ideas thrown together. Um, so you have talented people who shot this film in, I think it was like 14 days during the early days of, of the pandemic. Yeah, so you have artists coming together to create art. And then the art that they, they've created is a message movie on how movies don't always need to have messages. It is a film that- <laughs> That's a good way. Yeah, is, that's a good it, way of putting it. Yeah, it, but it's a film by a white director who is complaining that Black filmmakers frequently get put in a box. You know, why can't, why do you have to create, um, compare a Black filmmaker to Spike Lee or John Singleton? Why can't we compare them to the greats like William Wyler? Right, uh, right. While at the same time com condemning woke culture because woke culture is constantly calling out things and, and putting people in boxes, yet ignoring the fact that what he considers woke culture is basically people who have for decades been saying that black filmmakers, filmmakers of colors should have been given the opportunities that William Wattler has had to create a huge canon of works. Like you, you, on one hand, you're saying William Wattler is great, which he is. He's made some fantastic films, but you're just conveniently ignoring that he also worked in a time in an industry where a black filmmaker would not be able to make the films like they would not give him the money. So there's a lot of that that goes on. It's, uh, it's a film where, that tells you that artists and artistry shouldn't be taken too seriously, that they should be allowed to just kind of, you know, exist. A Lego movie should just be able to be a Lego movie. It doesn't have to have any sort of meaning. But then at the same time, he turns around and goes, well, I would never make a Lego movie. You know, he's a, it, it, there's it's a walking contradiction. And and it gets to the point where I was frustrated and then angered. And the reason I was angered is because halfway through, I realized that this film thinks it's a lot smarter than it actually is. Yes, that's that is a very good way of putting it. Absolutely. What did you think of the performances? Did that did that save any any of the film for you? Um, the performances I thought were good to a point. I, I, I feel like the performances are as good as the material allows them to be. Um, and, and what I mean by that is there's a lot of times where the characters are either arguing or going for smoke breaks or for walks. Um, they go on like these rapid fire monologues and uh, John David Washington's character is always almost like out of breath after everything. Yeah. It's like he's given so much rage and then they don't know where to go for there. So they either cuddle or they go for a smoke break. So, I mean, it's they're good. But at the same time, I'm watching this going, they, they don't really have that much to do. It's the same cycle. It's just the nature of the conversation changes. So. And it's very repetitive, right? Yeah, it's about him being upset about art and how people look into art and then him getting upset about getting a, a review. And at first he's upset because he thinks the review is bad, but then the review is really good. But the problem is the review thinks too, puts too much thought into his work. It assigns values that isn't 
that he doesn't think are there. And it shows how critics don't know much about the actual filmmaking process. That's fine. Later on, he's now worked up because she's called him out for being egotistical and basically using her life or part of her life story as the basis of his film, which he's now getting praise for. And he takes offense to the fact that she called him out for doing exactly what he did. Like there's, you know, I don't yeah. know. There, there's just, there's so much repetition in the starts and stops and yeah. it all kind of falls back on the same, you know, four or five topics that I just felt these, you know, these talented people are, you know, creating art during the pandemic, which is to be commended, you know, that they're taking this risk that they're doing some, but then the art that they're producing is not meaningful and they're saying well art shouldn't be meaningful well then why do you care like why should i care that you got a netflix deal to make this or you know and if i am giving it a bad review well then you are telling me that i as an art i I reading too much into it and that as a critic i don't know anything about filmmaking but yet you still care about what the critics say like there's just i know yeah but that's the i that's the, the the thing that i found ironic was that you know these grand speeches about how the critics get it wrong and and it, we go back and forth to that in fact the film keeps going back and forth to the same things as you know as you pointed out um but it may assume that it's kind of critic proof it may appear that it's giving us that facade of being critic proof but that's exactly what what makes it what gives people something to criticize is the fact that it's um in in giving us a story of two people and you know what happened that evening and what is happening in their relationship and reliving parts of their relationship the film actually just stops and uh, gives these speeches which makes the whole thing meaningless it it, those speeches about uh you know what the critics are doing or not doing what they get what they don't get those things I under, would understand those things coming out of a character's mouth, that character. He's a director. It's his opening, you know, the premiere of his film. But the fact that it went on and on and on, like they, the script just makes, pushes everything to the extreme, he, even to the extent that that would explain John David Washington always being out of breath because the script is requiring him to just, as you said, when he gets into angry mode it's just he's he just goes into high gear because that's where the script demands he goes and then he's got nowhere to go from there and this is why it's so exhausting to watch so it's like the film it's like he thought he had a clever premise but in fact he has sabotaged his own film sam levinson from the inside out yeah and this is something that i haven't watched the the show euphoria which i know he created and has directed multiple um, episodes, but based off of this and his previous film, Assassination Nation, um, there's a certain theme with his his films that I'm noticing, and especially this notion of of woke culture and his his critique of it. So, Assassination Nation is a film that basically looks at the me too generation rape culture and kind of puts it in parallel with the the salem witch trials the witch hunts and it focuses on these four young women who are essentially like 
objectified by men. So it's the social media gen age generation. And then when the Salem witch trial style aspects start coming out that they have to essentially fight for their lives and then turn the tables on their on the toxic men. So he's he's very much tapped into an understanding that men are toxic. But he he presents these notions in a way that are never as profound or as deep as as they should be. You know, he, he in many ways he kind of revels in the toxicity of of men while condemning it. And in this film yes. Malcolm is not the best boyfriend, but then we get those moments where he's like, well, I was there helping Marie get through recovery when she yeah. had her addiction and I'm not that bad. I'm, I'm a good person. I've did, I've done all this for you. And then he'll turn around and do a whole bunch of bad things. You know, he'll yes. take things to a really hateful level, but then we're just supposed to understand that, you know, sometimes an artist can be self-absorbed and, just because he took it to a hateful level, we shouldn't view him as a as a bad person. Like there's this weird back and forth push and pull where he's kind of using the critiques that, for lack of a better word, woke people are are raising and saying, "Hey, this isn't healthy." But then turning around and saying, "Woke people are ruining things because they're constantly pointing out that things aren't that you know these habits aren't healthy." And it's, it's just really frustrating. And I don't, again, I haven't seen you for it. I know a lot of people love it. So maybe that show might change my, my views of it. But even something like that, I was looking at IMDb real quick just to see who's directing the episodes. And of the 10 episodes, he's directed um, seven. And he's had three other directors, all, all women, which is great, direct that show. But then I looked at the, the list of the three directors. And I was like, well, you haven't really open the door that much for people of color as well. Like you've created the show, you directed seven episodes. If you were really talking about artists should be allowed to just do whatever you want, then you wouldn't, maybe you would have directed like four of them and given three to yes. open the door. Like, you know, you don't practice what you preach, but yet I'm supposed to sit back and take your stream of conscious as art, but then not judge your stream of conscious because you should be allowed to just create the stream of conscience. Like it's, it's a, it's a vicious cycle that I did not care for um, by the end. Like I just walked away from this film going, feeling more anger than anything that I yeah. was forced to endure. Yes. 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 I agree. I, I was incredibly frustrated with the film and uh, you know, if you're curious, watch the first bit, see, see what we're talking about. And then if you don't finish the rest, I don't, I can't believe I'm saying this, but if you don't watch the whole thing, trust me, it'll just keep repeating itself. <laughs> so I think that might've been like the most um, irresponsible thing I've said as a critic, <laughs> but um, the frustration that, that this film engendered, uh, well, you just, you'll see, you'll see when, you'll see what I why I'm, I'm having this reaction and to the film's point even uh, a comment like that is meaningless because we're we're reading too much into art anyway that's right if you're to go by the film so I don't think he'll be offended by that comment <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right so we've got some other stuff what where would you like to go next well you know um since we're talking about works that are streaming for those who 
may want to cleanse their palate after Malcolm and Marie, or may want a different option um, if they're not really into that kind of meta film about filmmaking and film criticism. I would recommend um, Lupin, which is a French series that is now streaming on Netflix in, in North America. Yes. Um, yes. And it's based on the, the classic novels of uh, Arsene Lupin, who was the gentleman thief. But this version is modernized. Sorry, the series stars Omar C as uh, Lupin. And, you know, it's an interesting look at the, the character because he's still a master thief. In many ways, he you could say he's a, a master of disguise, as you know, Lupin was in, in, in the books and the various film adaptations. But by having a black lead play Lupin, I think it adds an interesting layer to it because it shows how in many circles he can slip into situations uh, unnoticed. Like in many yeah. ways, his skin color almost makes him invisible to to most of the world they just assume he's the janitor or whatnot or if he's encountering other criminals they just assume that he is dumb and has no skills that they can bully just because of the color of his skin so i i think that that adds a a really fascinating layer to it and plus it's just enjoyable there's you know if you like films like the thomas crown affair and whatnot or just various heist movies like there's every episode has at least one interesting heist that yes will, yes, will bring a absolutely. smile to your face yeah so it's yes. just a, a fun a fun film that uh offers enough drama and tension that'll keep you hooked so they have season one out right now yeah um and season two is going to drop pretty soon and i i just wanted to add that you know it, it's always fun when you have you know someone getting away like when you have a character who is doing the right thing but in the wrong ways you know sort of like a robin hood type of character and then so in this case the gentleman thief you know um doing good but doing it by doing things illegally um and and the fact that uh, the actor is black also adds this other element i thought to the story that makes it much more interesting instead of being you know a bored white rich guy who's just doing this because, well, you know, this is how his brain works and he needs to, you know, exercise his brain. He's so intelligent that he comes up with these schemes. And instead of that, it's it's a much more interesting story because it's someone who's avenging um, the death of his father uh, for an injustice inflicted by a wealthy white family. So that in this case, it felt much more emotionally satisfying than watching, you know, a sly gentleman do these things um so we can understand why he's doing these things um and it just gave me a sense of like yes this is the right thing um it's it's more satisfying in terms of restoring justice in terms of you know getting things back on track morally and uh, even even you know that woman writer that he ends up um, becoming friends with, you know, he he does recognize another person who is, you know, perhaps not treated, has not been treated as well, right? So he is this, uh, he's very much more sympathetic, I think, um, in the way that he is portrayed than he would be 
you know, if it was the classic, you know, gentleman thief. Uh, so I was I was completely captivated by this. Um, and so there's there's five parts on Netflix right now. And, you know, they leave it on a cliffhanger. And so if any, any of us who have watched it are just anxiously awaiting. It's like I felt like each episode was uh, its own adventure. You know, it's I thought it was incredibly well structured. Yeah, it's definitely one worth um, checking out. And And to your point about his motivations. I, I think also the fact that he's avenging his father and when you see why he's avenging his father and what happened, it makes sense because even in modern times, it feels like that, of course, they would, his father would be arrested in the way he is. Like the treatment of his father makes sense because no one would ever question it. They would just assume someone said his father did X so he must have done X, right? And yeah. the greater society would not question it at all. So it, it just adds a really interesting layer. So that's one that I definitely recommend and, and yourself as well. Are, are oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, and another um, one I would recommend, uh, It's it's been out for a while, but for those of us who you know didn't have access to, to Crave or HBO, uh, Lovecraft Country is now coming out on DVD and blu-ray it arrived this week so you can run to the stores or online stores because you know we got to stay safe and distance and right. uh, get that which is just a it's a phenomenal series i've been catching up with it and just what it does the way how it blends history science fiction horror into this massive epic storyline but have each episode feel unique and different is just mesmerizing and it's one that i feel like i would be revisiting multiple times because there's just so much going on that i feel like yeah. I symbolism i've missed um, if i start reading some of those lovecraft books i'm sure i'll be picking up little clues on that as well it, it's just it's just a wonderful adventure story about these you know the soldier who starts off looking for his missing father and ends up in a, a much greater plot and, uh, you know, a world realizing that there's magic in the world and with magic comes great evil. And obviously you're still living in a era where you have Jim Crow when you still have sundown towns and right. It's set in the 1950s. Well, in one of the time, when one of the timelines is set yeah. in the 1950s. Um, and unfortunately, some of that is still like socially relevant, not the Jim Crow laws of the sundown, um, but um, a lot of the scenarios are, are and the injustices are still familiar. Mm -hmm. um, but, and yeah, it, it, it was a magical adventure. Like I, I think I would absolutely watch it again and again um, because there's so much going on that like the, the craftsmanship be, be behind the the weaving of all these elements in in just each episode uh, and between the episodes um, is so is so like I think you said layered. It's there's just so much going on, um, and it's it's such a rich experience that I know I missed something, and, and especially because in terms of horror, the genre, I'm such a wimp. So, but I could, I was absolutely intrigued by this because I felt like the horror had a fantastic context. 
you know, like the world that this this series created, um, it had to be there. It, it was part of that world. Uh, and so therefore any squeamishness on my part was just, you know, something that I quickly ignored, so, something I could quickly push aside like my fears and just go, no, 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 but look what's going on. Like, cause normally I would, you know, like maybe close my eyes or something, but it's like, but you can't because you're going to miss something. Yeah. And there's, so it's a fascinating experience that way too. Yeah. There's one episode that um, reminded me of it follows. And, and it's one where one of the characters is a young, young girl has these visions. She's a spell has been put on her and she has these visions that keep following her. Um, and of all the, I guess, monsters and different creatures, that was the one where I think, was the freakiest for me even yeah. though it's probably the most innocent but you think as a child you know that yeah. would be absolutely terrifying but I think one of the things I, I really like about this show is even though you have some really gruesome monsters or some gory moments to it the most chilling aspects are literally when they're just walking around normal white society and yes they yes. go to a restaurant and everyone's looking at them or they'll stroll into town and people stop or just the way how the the entitlement of people to just come in like burn houses and you yeah. know they, they reference Tulsa they ref, you know Emmett Teal's is prominent and what like there's they point out to many points in history where injustice has been done to to black people by their neighbors so you know the people a town over and what and, and that's far more chilling than any of the fantastical creatures they that they create exactly that's it that's it you you got yeah. it right it's yeah a, it's a great show so on the nail definitely uh recommend that it's again it's coming out on it's it's now out on blu-ray dvd and for those who have crave you can you can stream it yeah. on crave if you have the the hbo uh, component yeah all right well I think that's it for Frameline for this week. Yeah, lot, lots for you to, to watch and discuss. Okay. And uh, so everybody, thanks for listening. <laughs>